Welcome to Technovation. I'm your host, Peter High. My guest today is Maya Liebman. Maya has spent nearly 28 years with American Airlines, the last 10 and a half of which she's held the role of Chief Information Officer. She's led the airline through trying times from 9-11 through the financial crisis of 2008, but no crisis was as extreme as the pandemic of the past couple of years. I look forward to understanding how she has led through these difficult times and how the modernization of IT prior to the pandemic has served it well through the pandemic. Maya Liebman, welcome to Technovation. It's great to speak with you today. Thanks, Peter. I'm super excited to be here. No, it's a, it's a pleasure. I've, I've been looking forward to this conversation, certainly. Well, Maya, I, you, you know, I have, I've been looking forward to it as well. And oh. I have to say, Peter, um, I don't know, how long have you been doing this podcast? Uh, since November of 2010. <laughs> you know, I think that's around, you know, we, we met not long after that. And I remember you saying, hey, listen, I do this podcast. You know, would you like to do this with me sometime? And I remember thinking like, what's a podcast? Yeah. <laughs> I, have to, I have to say in this day and age when everybody has a podcast and there is a podcast literally for everything, you were doing podcasts before they were cool. Oh, that's really nice of you to say, Maya. Thank you for, thanks for mentioning that. Thanks for noticing. That's really, really nice. And, you know, I've, again, I've been been looking forward ever since then to, to having you as, as, as the, uh, as the interviewee. So I'm glad we're finally making it happen. Awesome. Excellent. Well, Maya, you are, uh, the Chief Information Officer of American Airlines, a role you've had for nearly 10 and a half years of your uh, most of three decades with the company now. So a bit more than a third of your time now spent as Chief Information Officer. And I wonder, you know, with a, within the context of a, of a major airline of great consequence, talk a bit about your purview as CIO. What, what, what's under your set of responsibilities, if you will? Yeah. Um, although now that you mention it, like three decades, that's a really long time. I totally remember when I uh, when American Airlines was recruiting um, at the business school I was at and I, I was thinking, oh, you know, that sounds really interesting. I'll go there. I'll do that for like a year, you know, maybe two years at the most. <laughs> and then, yeah, like 30 years later, I'm almost uh, still here. Uh, I, in my purview, I have, you know, a lot of what you would think of when you think of traditional IT. So map dev and maintenance and infrastructure and network. I also have some of the, the fun new stuff like data and cyber and digital and, um, and, and as well, really setting the foundation for our modernization journey. So our move to cloud and our adoption of advanced analytics and ML and AI and, and really focusing on different ways of working. Um, which dovetails with this idea of enterprise planning and prioritization, um, all that sort of rolls up to, to, to my area. Interesting uh, overview there. I really appreciate that. And I, I wanted to, um, I would definitely want to get into the, the context of some of those modernization activities and uh, as well as the enterprise planning and so forth. I, I thought maybe we begin though here at the outset with the remarkable challenges that you and the airline have undertaken as the industry has through the course of the pandemic. There were few industries, if any, that were uh, as adversely impacted uh, during this period where for such a prolonged period, few of us were traveling for personal or, or business reasons. And, and I wonder, what are your reflections now a couple of years hence uh, from this experience, uh, this, this trial that you and the company have been through, uh, you know, finding ways to, to make it to the other side, thankfully having taken a number of American Airlines flights in recent weeks, I know that a lot of them are now packed again, which is great to see, certainly. Um, talk a bit about that experience and learnings from it, if you will. Yeah, it's, um, you know, it's been a crazy couple of years, uh, as it has been for everyone. But literally, we went, you know, in the course of just a few days, 
you know, in March of um, 2020, we lost like 90% of our revenue. I mean, just like that. And we set down hundreds and hundreds of aircraft. You know, we literally weren't selling our product for a really long time. It was, it was insane. And I can assure you that there is no system at this airline. There's no piece of technology. There's no process for having hundreds of airplanes on the ground because that's not what they were intended to do. And so uh, we were really forced with um, having to make a lot of decisions really quickly about what it meant to operate or in large part not operate in this environment. Um, You know, demand started to come back and we really had to think about, well, where should we be flying? You know, what should our fleet look like? you know, who is flying us at this point in time? Like, what is it that makes people have to fly um, when the vast majority of people were were sheltering in their homes? Um, And so intellectually, it was a really fascinating time period. Um, Emotionally, it was a real roller coaster as we had to contend with, you know, uh, our workforce and issues and keeping people safe and yet keeping the airline running. Um, so, uh, just an incredibly fascinating time. And I wonder, Maya, were there, um, you know, they say necessity is the mother of invention. (laughs) Were there inventions because of the necessities that in your mind wouldn't have been undertaken, but for the crisis that will have kind of longer tails, uh, after we can get to a point where we're, we're a little bit on a surer footing that it's in the past. Are there, you know, ideas you pursued because you had to, that actually proved to be, you know, new sources of, of, of innovation, perhaps, uh, that come to mind? Yeah, the, you know, the, one of the things that happened was our entire priority list kind of went out the window. You know, we had been working on some mobile technology for our gate agents to bring them out in front of our customers, you know, out from behind the, the, the gate. Um, but instead, like in one day, we went from that to, you know, manufacturing our own plexiglass dividers to further separate our agents from our customers. So uh, just a complete reversal in many cases. Um, one of our biggest priorities, at, you know, became the development of a touchless kiosk. So how could you interact with the kiosk without, you know, to check in without actually touching it, you know, and who would have ever thought that that would have been a thing? Um, so we definitely, you know, necessity really prompted some new pieces of technology, some new functions, some new cool ways to develop, you know, to work with the, you know, our iPhones and the applet functionality to be able to render a piece of the kiosk on your phone. Um, so there were some cool things that came out of it, but I think one of the real lessons, and I think most companies, most people sort of learned this was not just what we did, but how we worked. And I think at American, we really started valuing different things. You know, there was a lot of focus and value placed on action and doing over, let's say, analysis and meetings. There was a lot of um, focus placed on, you know, getting something done versus, you know, getting something perfect. Uh, a lot of focus placed on empowering our teams versus like putting our personal leadership stamp on every effort. So it really came down to not just what we did, but what the, because of the pandemic, but what the pandemic taught us about how to work. 
That's fascinating. I appreciate that overview, Maya. You alluded to, as you were describing your purview, what you've come to, to uh, um, uh, name the next generation strategic initiatives that you uh, were in the process even before the pandemic of introducing. You referenced the transition to the cloud, uh, advanced analytics, machine learning, artificial intelligence, uh, the introduction of DevOps methods and tools as well. Um, I wonder to what extent did those prove to be advantages? The fact that you had introduced a lot of those methods, even if not all of them had, had, had been fully uh, implemented at that point, um, to what extent were those so sources of resilience as well, that, that you were operating in a more modern way uh, once the crisis hit? Yeah, it was really helpful that we had done a lot of the heavy lifting before the crisis. For example, you know, there was a time several years ago when we were super proud of ourselves because we could release on AA.com like twice a month. You know, we we're like, man, look at what we've done. Um, but over the, you know, several years, um, we really focused on modernizing that platform um, through tool chain, through automation, through uh, ways of working to the place where we got, you know, the ability to release on, you know, on demand. You know, we got rid of the release calendar entirely and now we, you know, write a little piece of code and we just set it free and it goes off into into production and it's beautiful. If we hadn't had that prior to the crisis when literally it was like, okay, the government has said by tomorrow we have to prevent anyone, you know, who's flying via China from entering the US. There's no way we would have been able to adhere to that that new regulation if we didn't have the foundation in place. For example, that one example on a.com where we could release whenever. And I know it's uh, you've also been focused a lot on uh, leveraging technology to power new products and services. Uh, I know from past conversations we've talked about improved customer handling uh, through disruptions. Uh, new loyalty program offerings. I wonder if I would love to have maybe you delve into those two uh, among perhaps others as well that you've been focused on in terms of the application of technology to improve customer outcomes and customer experiences. Yeah, you know, the worst experience for the customer at the airline is during an irregular operation, like a bad weather event, um, where flights are canceled. And as a result, it's, you know, there's not a lot of opportunity to protect uh, our customers on other flights. In addition, it's a terrible experience for our team members. You know, our pilots and our flight attendants get knocked off of their sequence and how to get them back onto a sequence and repaired with the crew that they should be with is, uh, is a really monstrous challenge. Um, so, uh, you know, modern technology these days provides so many opportunities to do this better than we've ever been able to do it before. And so we're getting to a place where um, by using uh, some of these new tools like machine learning, we're much better able to repair those sequences for our crew members, find protect options for our customers. Um, create new opportunities to recover from irregular operations, uh, improve how much time an aircraft spends at a gate in order to maximize the connection opportunities, but minimize the time it spends on the ground. Um, you mentioned loyalty, so many opportunities to provide uh, benefits to our customers that they value rather than the ones that we think that they might value. Uh, opportunities for us to be more predictive about whether a customer is likely to 
want to repurchase, you know, they haven't quite made it to the status tier that they had last year, would they be willing to spend money in order to achieve that? Um, you know, just uh, so much uh, ability with these predictive tools, you know, is a, is, an, is a part of an aircraft going to require maintenance in, um, in the near future? Uh, are, how likely are we to mishandle a bag if a customer checks in at a terminal different from the terminal that their flight is leaving from, so they have less uh, time to get that bag to the flight. Um, how can we recommend destinations to customers? Right now, there's this really interesting trend, you know, before the difference between business and leisure were, was really pronounced. We could tell the difference between that type of traffic. But now with sort of remote work and this combination, you know, this, this idea of leisure, you know, where you may travel to your headquarters uh, for a conference because they're getting everybody together. Um, but then you may add on a couple extra days because you're in Florida and your family has come with you. Uh, you know, getting more predictive and understanding how people are traveling, their travel patterns today, all of that is enabled because of the modern technology that we have access to these days. Yeah, that's really so some fascinating insights there. And I you, part of one of the fascinating aspects of your rise within the organization, your, your uh, role immediately prior to your current one as Chief Information Officer, Maya, was as president of the American Advantage Loyalty Program. And you know, 10 and a half years ago when you became CIO, certainly the average CIO, you might even argue the average CIO today even, doesn't necessarily have as much of a real customer touch point uh, as they should. Thankfully, that there are tremendous advances that have been made there. Um, but you came to this role having spent a lot of time thinking about working with the customer and sort of ha having, having that person at the center of, of your thought process. I wonder, you know, how did that color your experience in the early stages to say nothing of the progression of your time as chief information officer in uh, thinking about the degree to which technology could influence uh, the customer's experience? Yeah, that job as president of Advantage, that was one of the funnest jobs I've had because uh, people are just crazy about this loyalty program and they do all sorts of crazy things, you know, to try to maximize their utilization of the, the mile and the, the currency that we've developed and, um, you know, these, these crazy mileage runs at the end of the year to try to gain status. Um, so I really enjoyed that job. It was a lot of fun. Um, and it gave me a really good window into um, what customers uh, value and what they're willing to do and how they want to interact with the company and the engagement that they want to have with the company. And I think one that was one of the reasons why I got this role, because at the time it was like, look, we're not looking for a CIO who's a super hardcore technologist. We want someone who really understands what technology can do for our customers and for the business. And so, you know, that's sort of been, I feel like my contribution in this role is really uh, you know, we we are, are we boil our strategy down into just sort of three words: deliver value faster. Because you know what we'll hear is, look, I like what I get from the technology organization. I just want more of it, and I want it faster. And that's what we want to provide as well, because we know that everything that we do, every piece of value that we put out there, is something that ultimately will benefit the customer, and that 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 needs to be our rallying cry and our mission. And we've talked about a number of the levers associated with with uh, delivering value faster. Anything we haven't covered that you would reflect on as 
some of the important components that enable that uh, uh, you know, for, for, for the organization? Well, we talk a lot about, you know, inputs, outputs, and outcomes. So, you know, the inputs are like, you know, are we getting uh, better? You know, is are we improving in our agile maturity? And uh, are we adopting DevOps principles and ways of working? Are we moving to the cloud? You know, what are what are the things that we're doing? The outputs are, you know, are we improving our development cycle time? Are we increasing our deployment frequency? Are we reducing our minutes of impact? Are we reducing our digital risk scores? You know, those are the things that we're measuring to determine are the inputs working? Because if we do these inputs, we will get these outputs. But the outputs aren't enough. What we really need are the outcomes, which is, are we making money? Are we improving our likelihood to, to recommend? Are we reducing our costs? And so we have developed an approach where we are taking all of our objectives and assigning key results to those um, that help us understand what are the outcomes? Like, are we really moving the dial on these metrics that ultimately benefit our customer? A great, a great framing, certainly. I also wanted to ask you, you know, you've had an unusually long tenure as a chief information officer, and you've had a long um, time horizon thought process. It's not a role uh, that you've, you know, for some people who tend to stay, you know, two, three years, they may introduce a few things of a strategic nature, but they don't necessarily live through the the consequences, the, the improvements that have been made, the course corrections that are necessary beyond that. I wonder if you could take a moment in reflecting as somebody who's now you know, more than double the average tenure uh, in role as a CIO on the advantages of having that longer time horizon to think about uh, the implications and ramifications of all that you and your team are, are, are introducing. Um, yeah, I guess uh, no one's quite figured out that I don't know what I'm doing yet. You know, kind of, <laughs> I am, I found this deck. I was cleaning out like some old files a while ago when I was moving uh, offices and um and I found this deck that talked about uh, sort of this great new technology uh, discovery called client server technology, and um, and so yeah, there's been a lot of um, a lot of advancements over the last couple of decades, and I think um, what they've allowed is look all these ideas, all those things that I rattled off, like um, you know understanding, you know, where customers want to fly and how likely they are to, you know, to sell up into a different cabin or, um, you know, whether we're likely to mishandle back. These are not new ideas. I mean, we've had these ideas since the beginning of time and every airline has, and every customer who's flown on an airline has said, why does the airline not remember that I like this drink or that sort of thing? they're not new ideas. What the technology these days has allowed us to do is actually start to realize them. We have always had an insane amount of data. What we haven't had is a really good, efficient way to turn that data into actionable information. And that's one of the more exciting things that I've seen over this time period is that we can stop talking about it and start actually doing it. That's really interesting. You also mentioned that when you took on this role, uh, the mandate was not to, and the thought process was not to bring in somebody who is simply just a, a deeply technical person. Let me put a fine point on that. You were an English major, an English literature <laughs> major, rather, as an undergrad. You have an MBA. Um, talk about your own uh, education from a, tech, a technology perspective, clearly on the job and as an autodidact uh, uh, by nature. 
but you are running a very complex organization that's not for the faint of heart, where m- most of your peers uh, you know, were once programmers or were computer scientists or engineers as undergrads and perhaps have you know, an earlier introduction, at least, to technology. That said, you've been, by, by all accounts, very successful in role. Uh, so talk a bit about your own means of educating yourself uh, from a technology perspective to be able to, you know, operate as, as, as well as peers who are more deeply technical might. You know, fortunately, I've surrounded myself with really strong technical talent. And what I've told them, and what I think they like is that I'm not super technical. So I'm not, like, I've been really clear. I'm not going to determine our cloud strategy. You're going to determine our cloud strategy. But I am going to sit back and say, you know, why is it that we haven't prevented releases from going to production that have a vulnerability. You know, it's not, you know, I get to sit sort of on the periphery and say, you know, ask the more pointed questions about why um, we're doing some of the things that we're doing, whereas some of the more technical people might say, uh, look, we're, you know, we're going to Azure, we're going to AWS, and this is how we're going to use containers. And, you know, and and that's great for them to do it. What I feel like my value is is um, ensuring that I understand that that we're running a really safe and efficient operation that allows us to deliver value faster for our customers. That's that's a that's a great answer. Uh, I also wanted to ask you. I you know having uh, spent a lot of time with 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 you and and peers of yours across this industry. You know, it, it's a very complex industry to say the least. Um, there's there are so um, so many exogenous factors that determine uh, the relative success of an airline or not. It's deeply, it's very much tied to business cycles. Uh, you know, there there are periods of of great expansion and and periods where there's a necessity for for some consolidation. Uh, there are very powerful unions. There are uh, there's all kinds of of complexities. And you know, one of the things I've, I've always found, uh, you know, a, a good friend of mine who was at a, a, d- a different airline was with the airline for for maybe 20 years. Uh, the last five or so as chief information officer, he went on to become the CIO of multiple other companies and uh, in, in other industries. And he, he always used to say to me, he would list off some of the things I just did in uh, mentioning kind of the complexities and what makes it difficult. And then he would say, and I loved every minute of it. I miss it, in fact. <laughs> and, and I wonder, like, you know, as somebody who, uh, you know, had planned coming out as an MBA to maybe spend a couple of years in this industry and then go off and do something else, what is it that that kind of, you know, plants those roots so deeply uh, for somebody like yourself that you find this, uh, all these challenges to be so engrossing? Yeah. Um... You know, when I think back just over the last couple of decades, you know, the, at, at a big macro level, you know, we went from 9-11 to the financial crisis, to a bankruptcy, to a merger, to, uh, you know, the, a pandemic, you know, it was, you know, it, on a huge scale, really seismic business changes. But then within each of those, you know, more macro events, there are hundreds of micro events. Um, I remember we hired a new guy to run comms here and he came in in the morning and we were making a decision about like a, essentially a billion dollar investment in, in some airport renovations. And later that day, a big issue happened with our unions and he came back in and he wasn't from the airline industry, but his comment was, wow, it's a pretty fascinating industry where a billion dollar investment is not the biggest news of the day. 
And, um, <laughs> you know, and, and it's true. I, I, I totally uh, can understand where your friend is coming from. It's, it's a fascinating industry. It is super complex. It makes you really stretch your thinking and your, you know, your, your intellectual prowess and it, and it's fascinating and fun and exciting and crazy and scary. And, um, and there's fabulous people here too. So all that together, it makes it wonderful. That's really great. I wanted to also ask you about, you know, as somebody who's risen uh, to your role as a a female, a a woman in technology, a a field that is still underrepresented by your gender. um, If you have any reflections, actually, it's kind of interesting, you know, the Southwest has a female CIO, United does, Alaska until recently did, and and Desharu is still in kind of the chain from a technology perspective as well. I, and I'm, I'm sure I, that's not an exhaustive list. Yeah. Uh, it's an industry that, that at least in recent years has made some progress, it would seem, uh, among you, you know, for yourself and your peer group, uh, even as more progress is necessary. I wonder, you know, if you have any reflections about uh, progress made or progress to come uh, as, as, it, uh, as it pertains to females and technology. Yeah, um, it's really uh, advanced. You know, we're not where we need to be, but, uh, you know, I remember going to conferences, uh, you know, tech conferences 10 years ago, and and one of the best parts was, like, you never, as a woman, had to wait in line for the bathroom. Like, the men <laughs> had to wait in line, which is uh, something that you don't see very frequently. Um, but now, uh, you know, I think you're familiar with the Slack group that Suja and a number of other women CIOs created um, who are all fabulous. And they and now this, you know, we have a Slack group of 200 plus um, women in CIO equivalent roles in technology. And um, so it's definitely changing and there's tons of opportunity and there's tons of support um, through things like this, the Slack group and mentorship. And so I think it will only continue to uh, to improve. At American, I've been fortunate. You know, I've worked for fabulous women. I've worked for fabulous men, like men who have been great allies, who've nurtured me, who've supported me, who've championed me, who've been really terrific. So, um, you know, I think uh, I think all that together will will continue to improve. Sort of the just sort of the number and the scope of women in technology. That's really good. Good hopeful message there. Uh, I wanted to ask you also, as you look to the future, Maya, we've talked about a number of rising trends, uh, trends that you're writing and investing in. Uh, are there others that come to mind that particularly excite you as you look a couple of years out uh, that you think will be particularly impactful? You know, I could name, uh, you know, the the stuff that you hear um, at any technology conference, like uh machine learning and AI and blockchain and quantum computing and computer vision, you know, all of these things were were at different levels of of exploration with, and all of them, I think, have different exciting uh, trajectories. Um, For me, at the end of the day, I care a lot more about how we work um, because any really terrific piece of new technology or any great new idea or, or, or something that's put into production, is, is something that someone else can copy. And yet, if you get really good at the how, that's that that can be a strategic competitive advantage. And so some of that comes down to the the you know the processes like you know, are we good at DevOps? Are we good at you know agile? Are we you know good at automation and cloud and APIs and you know all of the things that make up a you know strong technology core. 
Um, but really what I care about is how we treat people. And, you know, are we empowering our teams? Are we helping others win? Are we, you know, thinking big, but starting small? You know, what, um, you know, are we communicating in a transparent way? Are we authentic? Are we empathetic? Are we connecting people? Are we creating an equitable work environment? All of those, I think, are the things, the trends that I think are just most exciting and will never go out of style. Yeah, great, great points all. Uh, I was going to ask you here at the, at the close, Maya, you know, as you reflect upon your journey to date, at least <clears throat> in your career, are there any secrets to your success? Are there, you know, is, if there, if there was a younger version of yourself or somebody who was relatively earlier in their career and they were asking for advice as to how they might have a, have a career trajectory akin to your own, are there any lessons you would impart uh, on that younger person uh, to, to help them along the way? You know, I think I, Leadership is a, a privilege. It's a gift. It's it's something that I uh, take very seriously. And I think one of the best pieces of advice that I was given was, you know, be the leader that you wish you had. And that's, I don't always achieve that, but I aspire to that. And, um, and I think one of the things that I've realized, especially in the last couple of years during this pandemic is, Look, you just have to be an authentic uh, leader, you know, and if you can't be yourself, if you can't be real during a pandemic, then you can, then it's going to be hard to be real any other time. But that's the kind of leader that people want. And, um, and so I guess that that's, I, I think what I would have told my younger self is, you know, don't try so hard to be something that you're not, because that's just exhausting. And you can only do that for a certain period of time, just be who you are. Great advice, certainly. Well, Maya Liebman, I, um, I, I'm so pleased uh, to know you as somebody that I've greatly admired uh, for, for somebody of great great accomplishment, who's built great teams, who has many admirers, not only as colleagues, but as peers uh, in the broader ecosystem. It's a, it's a pleasure to speak with you. Thank you so much for taking time with me today and sharing some of the lessons from your career. Thank you, Peter. Uh, I'm, I enjoy doing this and someday I want to interview you and ask you all these same questions. Like you ask this trend question every time. I want to hear your thoughts on what you think the next big trends are and things like that. We'll, we'll make that appointment soon then. Okay, I look forward to it. Thanks again. All right, thank you.